Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to the animated series Star Wars Resistance. Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and today we are talking about Star Wars Resistance, Episode 16, The Core Problem. There's a lot to get to because, as I keep saying for the last few weeks, we're in the end game with the residents of the Colossus against the First Order, but this episode is the big one in that it got us to The Force Awakens. All the events on Jakku happen the next day. I will get to that. Uh, starting this week, I'm going to do a segment at the end where all I do is talk about how this episode relates to the movies, because we're there. Uh, there, there are parallels now. Uh, until then, I will discuss what I liked um, and all about the episode. Not, not much that I didn't like. I thought this was really well done. Uh, again, written by Kevin, um, Kevin Burke and Doc Wyatt. Uh, I've sung their praises several times. Uh, th- their episodes are always great for character development. Uh, this one is just straightforward. It's Poe and Kaz off on a mission. And, you know, we're learning more about what the First Order's up to, and we know the ultimate conclusion of that. But, you know, getting there is is the fun of it. Uh, real quick before I get into the episode, uh, just uh, like a personal book update. I just finished the audiobook of the novelization of Solo, A Star Wars Story, uh, by Mer Lafferty and it's read by uh, Mark Thompson. It is an expanded edition like The Last Jedi, uh, which was written by Jason Fry. Uh, it's, it's a good book. Uh, it's worth, a, worth checking out. Uh, the, audio, the audio book is excellent as usual, uh, but it, it really expands upon some stuff. Um, Han's pretty straightforward. Uh, Lando, too. But there's a lot more about L3, about Kira, uh, what their individual backgrounds are. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, the Kessel Run is just described in great detail, and you, you get a little more understanding of what they all they had to go through by making the shortcut. And the epilogue, uh, you know, people have, you might have heard about it on Twitter or uh, somewhere else. The epilogue is great. Uh, it just does that world building to let you know, um, you know, where where it's connected. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, it's recommended. I was trying to finish it before. Uh, um, Queen's Shadow by E.K. Johnston comes out at the beginning of March. I've already pre-ordered that. Uh, it's going to be read by Cat Tabor, who was the voice of Padme on uh, The Clone Wars, uh, which is great. So I can't wait to hear her voice. Um, Ashley Eckstein did the Ahsoka book by E.K. Johnston, and it was it's neat that it's continuing on that the characters that she's writing about are being read by the people who voice those characters. Uh, so, just a quick update there. Uh, we did have Toy Fair New York this past weekend. Not as much news as I had hoped. Uh, we did get confirmation of the two Lego sets that I had mentioned before. Uh, Major Von Rag's TIE Fighter, uh, which, as we found out, does come with Von Rag, Kaz, uh, Leia, and BB-8. So, uh, some a- extra value there. Um, and then Griff's uh, racer, the modified TIE Interceptor, is also a set. It comes with Poe and... No, I'm sorry. Uh, Poe and BB-8 come with 
the uh, Griff's set, and then you have Bucket with Leia and Kaz in Von Rigg's set. Um, so I'm very excited to get a Lego Bucket. Um, that'll be the third variation we have of him if you include uh, the Hasbro Toys and the um, Micro Force WoW. Um, so it'd be neat to... Uh, I understand that they're going for the broad collectors that, you know, they know Leia, they know Poe and BB-8 from the movies, so that will help the sales there. Um, hopefully there are future sets coming, uh, like Poe's, uh, not Poe's, uh, the Fireball, Kaz's Racer, and Tora's Racer, uh, where they can have Niku and Tam minifigs, Flix and Orca, you know, that sort of thing. Hopefully those are in the pipeline. Um, no announcement of any future waves of Resistance toys. Um, now, the ones they did announce, like the Vintage line and uh, the, um, oh, I can't remember, the throwback line. It's basically the re-release of the 70s figures, the original Kenner figures. Um, that, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I grew up with those toys, so I have them, or, you know, probably still have them at my dad's house. But I do appreciate that they're doing it for people who have heard about the toys and have only seen pictures and archives. Uh, that they want that nostalgia and that it'll be available to them. Now the Grand Moff Tarkin figure, which they did, uh, that's going to come with the re-release of the Escape from the Death Star game. Yeah, that's great because we never got Tarkin. We had to use, you know, just the generic Imperial officer at the time. Um, so, uh, you know, what they announced was cool. The, the Black Series continues to be awesome. I cannot wait to get Afra and uh, the murder bots. But no resistance news. Um, even though... A couple of days later, we did get confirmation of the Hot Wheels toys. Uh, we get Kaz, Tora, and Hypes Racers. My thinking is, since you know it's late February, and we're so close to Star Wars Celebration in April, that maybe they're uh, saving that release information for them. Because hopefully we'll get more resist Resistance figures, more Lego sets. Um, but that, that's about it. Um, not as much news as I had hoped, but, you know, we did get visual confirmation of what we had already heard about. All right, let's move into the core problem. Uh, like I say, straightforward um, Poe and Kaz adventure, like uh, they've had a couple of those in the past. Um, you know, the first shot, uh, they always do a great job setting up, even though it's the Colossus every week. You know, they have the Spiegels, and then the TIE Fighters coming through the clouds. And I do like that, you know, Yeager looks up, you got to think what, all, all the stuff he's been through, fighting the Empire and seeing and going against those same machines in battle all those years ago, and, and they're back in a different form, a different name, but they're, they're still TIE Fighters. He is so familiar with those. I'm sure it's just a flood of memories for him. Um, so that, that was great animation to see his reaction. Um, it was nice to see them working on a ship for a customer for a change and not repairing the fireball. Um, it wasn't noticeable at first, but Bucket's List confirmed that, yes, they did get a, a job, so they're working on uh, that ship for somebody else. And then we move on to Kaz uh, doing his homemade radio, uh, which was neat. We, we knew it wouldn't work, but just to see that Kaz is kind of tinkering around and with eternal hope. Uh, and then and the great gag of... You know, he thinks he got a hold of Poe, but he's standing behind him. So, ni nice little opening there. Uh, that was all fun. 
And since it may be his last time on the show for a while, it's something I've talked about before. Thank you to Oscar Isaac for doing the show. Um, you know, he's he's a movie star, and it could have been very easy for him to say, "Well, I'm very busy. I can't really do this. Can you get somebody else to voice it?" Uh, which you know has happened in the past. I mean, you know, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen didn't do Obi Wan and Anakin for the Clone Wars series. You know, occasionally they they did get. And I think Christopher Lee did do the Clone Wars movie, and Samuel L. Jackson may have done Mace Windu, but, you know, more often than not, they've had to recast it just because of commitments by the other stars. Not that they're too big for it, or they think they are. Um, but, it, no, it was, it was great that Oscar Isaac came in and not only did it, but did it enthusiastically this whole season. I think I mentioned that in the first episode review that, you know, he could have easily been like, okay, I'll do it, but, you know, not really put a lot of effort into it. But you can tell that he's having fun with it and he's emoting through his voice the way that we've seen Poe on screen. There's no difference. And, and that's really appreciated. The same thing with Gwendolyn Christie. She wasn't out on the show as much, but we got great Phasma content because she came in and did it well. Um, so thank you to Oscar. Um, for everything you did for the show. Hopefully it's not the last time, you know, depending on where season two goes, maybe we get Oscar, but also John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, um, Kelly Marie Tran, uh, you know, more of the, the main cast. So yeah, just pose, pose awesome all the way through. Um, but then, you know, yeah, yes, pose there to check in with Kaz, get a report because they can't get it out due to the communications blanket. But we, you know, and it was in the preview. I talked about it last week because it was it's so momentous. He he tells BB-8, I'm here to pick up you because I have the orders from General Leia. We're leaving tomorrow for Jakku. And, and I'll get to it later. This it, It's the day before the movie. Or, well, depending on travel time. I mean, they left for Jakku, but they're on the way. And this is kind of the point of no return, the point of divergence. Call it whatever you want. We, we are at the movie. And it's going to affect the rest of the season, all four episodes. And we'll get to that later. Um, so we do get the report, you know, that it's the map that Kaz acquired last week from the Upsilon uh, shuttle. Um, the First Order, they figured out, yes, they want the Colossus uh, for refueling purposes, but they also want to keep it away from the Resistance. They don't want them to have it um, because they need to... Yeah, that that invasion is coming. We know that. Once Hosnian Prime goes down, they spread out um, to make their attack. So they're you know they're proactively cutting off uh, resistance lines. But then additionally, Kaz has found out that that one sector uh, there's activity going on there. So then Poe realizes he has enough time to, for them to go check it out. They got to get off the Colossus, and then we get the Widowmaker. Uh, even though Kaz isn't married. Uh, I, I, even though it was just a subtle thing, I love that, you know, Yeager and Poe have that background and that history to where all he has to do is mention a maneuver, and then that, that, that's all they need to know to remember it. Um, I, I, yeah, I really dug the, how they did that. Um, rather than, you know, launch and maybe try to outrun the TIE Fighters, they sneak off you know, piggybacking aboard you know, 
it happened in Empire, uh, Attack of the Clones. You know, it's an old trick, but it it was done in a different way, so it was really neat. Um, you know, we do get Poe with the, uh, his breathing mask, um, and it was a good chance to explain that to my son when he was watching. He's like, why is Poe having to wear that mask? And then I explained, um, well, it's probably partially for communications, but also I, I explained to him, the higher you go in the sky, the, the thinner the air is, the less oxygen you can breathe. And he understood that. So, it, you know, it was a good visual, so it, it led to questions, and we did some science learning. Did some science learning later, too, so it all worked out. I, I do love the callback, mentioning about Kaz being the greatest pilot in the galaxy, that rumor. Even though it didn't linger episode after episode, I mean, that was the whole crux of the the one-hour premiere of the recruit. Uh, that, that rumor that he was the greatest pilot in the galaxy, so that came back. That was cool. So then, um, oh, I have to give a shout-out to the animators for the tracking shot of the transport when... Um, you know, they're aboard it, and it just the camera goes over the length of the transport, and you see the ship, and there's little Poe on the outside. It, it was just beautifully done. And if you look, you got the um, Colossus and all the TIE fighter and transport traffic in the background. Just overall very beautiful. Um, and then it gets pretty fast-paced with all the action once. Uh, Pogus on his X-wing, which it's kind of sad to think it. Yeah, it's going to be destroyed in you know no more than two days. Um, so they they make it to the sector, which you know is it the Tahar system or is it named something else? Uh, there's a lot to chew on there. We'll, I'll get to that. But you know they see the cord planets and the disappeared sun, which goes back to the mid-season trailer. So we had a lot of speculation about. Oh, you know, was this um, where they fueled Starkiller Base and did target practice? Um, now, uh, I highly recommend watch Resistance Rewind for this week because they talk about the First Order plans. And it made it... I tried to get a precise answer on this, but I think it's, you know, made more clear that they chose this system because there were multiple terrestrial planets and that they could practice the drilling and the coring of the planet to so they could build the weapon for Starkiller base and as they said in rewind the first one broke apart was totally unusable the second one a little bit better the third one was the one where there was the hole all the way through and then the fourth one I would assume is Starkiller base so I, I would assume unless we're told differently that Starkiller Base, the planet, actually came from this system, and then once they finished building it, they u utilized that sun to power it. And that sun is the blast that destroyed Hosnian Prime. Um, I think that's where you know the, the information is on that. It does rule out the old theories that Starkiller Base was made out of either Jetta or Ilum, um, Jetta, because it had a hole blasted in it by the Death Star, would have made sense. Plus it goes back to, I think it was the actual Star Wars account. On Instagram and or Twitter, 
this is going back a couple of years, but they actually mentioned that Starkiller Base made use of kyber crystals. So everybody assumed it was a kyber-rich planet that they mined. So that made them think of Jeddah because it was a source at the time, even though it was stripped. And it had a hole in it. But also because, you know, Starkiller Base is a snowy planet, they thought, oh, it's Ilum. And they really harvested all the kybers that the Padawans would go to get when they were younger. And I kind of subscribed to the Ilum theory for a while. But then it did, it did occur to me, if it's a planet that can move in space, it has engines. If it's a planet that can move in space, it's going to be cold and snowy without a sun there all the time. So I said, this, you know, I thought, well, this can be any planet. It turns out it is. Who knows what the in environment was like before they, you know, took away the sun and started to move around. Um, I do like the parallel with their discovery of what happened here to the parallel of when, on Rebels, the couple of episodes where they went to Geonosis and found evidence of previous construction, which if you've read Catalyst by James Luceno, you'll know that uh, Geonosis was indeed the original construction site of the first Death Star, and they moved it um, eventually, I think, to Scarif. But, uh, you know, the Geonosians were used for labor on um, the Death Star, and, you know, that came into play um, on Rebels. So both shows have shown, the, you know, they're just a little bit too late getting there to see the actual work on it, but they, they found evidence of something major that was happening here, so I, I did like that. All right, so, yeah, we're pretty sure this is the system where they built Starkiller Base. And then... Poe and Kaz explore the planet that was completely cored, and they fall into the gravity well, where there's... It, um, oh, I guess I should have given uh, tagged it so I could give credit. Um, but someone mentioned it's like the gravity well acts like your drain, where uh, it just swirls, and you'll, you'll notice the rocks that were kind of hanging there in the middle were going in a circular motion, like they're going down the drain towards the core. And then Kaz and Poe get caught in that too. Um, you know, Bucket's List reminded us uh, the Maw in the, uh, during the Kessel Run is a gravity well. But it also made me think of the remake of Total Recall that came out just a, few, just a few years ago, the one with Colin Farrell. If you haven't seen it, instead of going to Mars, um, in, in this point in the future, the only inhabitable countries on Earth are uh, England and Australia. And to get between the two, they cored out the earth and built an elevator that goes all the way through, all the way through the core and back out the other side. And the way it worked in the movie was that, like if you're in Australia, you get, on the ele you get in the elevator car, which is massive, you know, it's like a train station kind of thing, and they drop you. And the natural gravity of the earth shoots you down towards the core. And then... Once um, you get to the core, it's kind of like zero gravity, so you have to be buckled in. And then the inertia or momentum of um, the gravity action shoots you through the other side, and then you you come up in England, and um, it's, the station's built to catch the elevator so it doesn't go back down until it's ready to ship people back to Australia. 
the movie's not great. I would rather watch the the original one with Arnold. But the my mind just went crazy thinking about the actual physics and engineering involved in making an elevator that uh, it was called a gravity elevator that goes through an entire planet. Well, you know, the construction involved would be just mind-boggling. But just, you know, the physics of it, too. So, to see that principle applied here uh, to this planet, because I imagine that's what happened when Kaz and Poe kind of got caught in the current of the gravity. You know, it spun them down, and they just rode it to the center, and then, you know, it carried them out through the other side. The TIE fighters later weren't so lucky. Again, it's foreshadowing because we get this early in the episode you think oh it's just a minor inconvenience but then they use it later they've done that multiple times on resistance and i think it's awesome i mean it goes back to when you know kaz and niku had the communicators that would you know uh, do the feedback if you were too close to each other and so kaz used that to spy um he had actual feedback on uh, one of the ships they were working on oh was that that was in the triple dark that was way early um, and then that's how he was able to disrupt the pirate ships as they were attacking the Colossus. So yeah, what you think is a throwaway, oh, we got to get through the this cord planet, comes back into play later when they defeat the TIE Fighters. So, well done with the writing there. Um, okay, so they make it through, they find a moon that still has an atmosphere. Um, Poe, no, Kaz, mentions that uh, there's a signal coming from the moon. They never explain that. I, mean, I would guess it's he, they picked up the probe droid, but you know what if it is something else? What if there was something there that they didn't have time to discover inside those ruins at the settlement? I don't know if that'll come into play later. I imagine there will be a callback to this because um, due to that symbol on the the temple, uh, there's a good chance this is Tahar. Um, if not, it's you know like a colony. Uh, for the people of Tahar. It's the same symbol that Kel had on his wristband and, you know, that Kaz knew about in the children of Tahar way back when. Um, so, I'll, I'll get to that in just a minute. Um, now, I, I do like, you know, also the accuracy of the settlement is cold and, and, we, and the animation, great job. Uh, Kaz and Poe have cold breath the rest of the time they're on the, on the moon. Um, so, yeah, there's no sun. It's going to be cold. Um, it also implies that this, I would think the sun was removed, was absorbed by Starkiller Base recently, because you would think that it would be just be, you know, at some point it, it would be just a frozen planet and there'd be no way to survive on it. Um, so it had, had to have been recently and maybe it's still using like geothermal heat or just the natural heat trapped in its atmosphere to sustain them so they could at least have this one little mission. Now, I will recommend, uh, I think I, I retweeted it, but um, Alex at Star Wars Explained did a video that speculated on, you know, the true nature of this star system. Um, yes, uh, you know, the theory that it's Tahar, um, but also that it's the site of that massacre by Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren that Rey saw in her Force flashback in The Force Awakens. Uh, that uh, the topography matches, uh, the, the blue hue of the planet, uh, it was raining at the time, which, you know, is not contradicted here. Um, 
you know, it makes, and, they, and he talks about it in the video, so I recommend you watch that. But basically, and I agree with it, it would make sense that, you know, there's a settlement on this moon, and even though it may be too far in space for them to see the full extent, you know, well, the planet that the moon is orbiting, they see it being cored, and maybe they can even see Starkiller Base being built, and then so uh, the Knights and Kylo Ren wipe out everybody on this moon so there are no witnesses. And that's why they were so intent on finding the children earlier and making sure they were dead so they wouldn't be able to share this story. And, you know, they mentioned they encountered Kylo Ren. So all this comes, you know, it makes it makes sense and it comes together. So I think before the end of the season we'll get confirmation one way or another if that was the case. Um, that Tuka doll, that Kaz, um, you know, he, he holds on to it. He, he doesn't let it go. I, I, I figured at the end of the episode he would maybe go see the kids and then they would, it would turn out to be one of theirs or, you know, they would know of it. Um, we're saving that for another episode. But uh, that doll's going to come into play. I think either Kel or Ayla will know about it. And that it will be confirmation that that's where they were from. And that they were wiped out because they didn't need witnesses to the First Order uh, construction plans. Yeah, uh, just watch the, uh, watch the video. Um, Alex did a great job on that one. Um, we get the First Order probe droid, which is a really cool design that it can open up and um, send out a maximum eight of eight of those little probes. Uh, and, we, and we get the nice little firefight, and Kaz cannot shoot. That, that boy needs some practice. Uh, he's a great pilot, but yeah, 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 don't put a blaster in his hand. <laughs> Uh, that, that was that was good that, you know, BB-8 was a big help, but, yeah, Kaz shooting down the probe droid was totally accidental. And, of course, Poe's a great shot, and he got several of the um, probes. Uh, then we move on to the dogfight with the TIE Fighters and, you know, getting rid of all of them except Von Reg and the Gravity Well. Um, I mean, it, not, not too much to say about that. It was, it was another great dogfight on the show. We've had several. Um, so, that, that's all I really need to say about that. Uh, I do wonder, I mean, I don't know if they'll explain it later, or if we just can guess at it. Makes me wonder, since Von Reg survived, is he the one who tracked Poe to Jakku and then alerted the, uh, the rest of the First Order and said, hey, this guy's heading to Jakku, you might want to check it out. And that's why the Star Destroyer was heading that way and arrived at the beginning of The Force Awakens. And then there's also the theory um, uh, that I put out last week from a Twitter user that uh, as the map that Kaz obtained contained locations that Lor Senteca had previously visited. So, more than likely... Kylo Ren and um, the finalizer were already on their way to Jakku and had that in mind. It just so happens Kaz got there, or Poe got there first. But I, it would be a neat little, you know, tip tip to the show if Von Reg was the one who calculated his trajectory and figured out he was going to Jakku and it might be important. And that's when he alerted Kylo Ren. And, and in fact, of course, Phasma was on the ship too. Um, he probably would have reported to her. I don't, I don't know if that'll even come out, but I th thought that was 
neat that it was the possibility. Uh, so, you know, Kaz and Poe survive. Um, they, they do the droid swap that we saw in the trailer, the Wally style um, wave in space. Uh, you know, when we saw it in the trailer, some people thought, oh, they're trying to grab onto each other so they don't die. Maybe this is when CB-23 dies. But I thought, and then went as we went in the trailer and I saw there are scenes with just CB-23 on the Colossus, I thought, okay, this is where they're going to switch out so that BB-8 can be with Poe and initiate the events of The Force Awakens. So, yes, turns out that was true. They had to do the swap. And it, it was a cute moment, too, uh, that they're waving each other with their little hands and plop just gently into their droid sockets. Um, yeah, a lot of people love that scene. I love the moment just after that when, you know, the, the two ships are there, Poe goes in light speed in one direction towards Jakku, Kaz goes to light speed in the other direction towards Castellan. That, that is the moment that the show is on its own and the events of the, of the Force Awakens and The Last Jedi are going to happen over, I'm using my hands, but over there. Um, I mean, that, that, that to me was a very powerful moment. That, okay, this is the point of divergence. And, and thank you to Jonah Marie Macias um, for making a gif of that that I could post because uh, I felt the scene was that important. It was like a more serious version of in Return of the Jedi when the Falcon and Luke's X-Wing both left Tatooine and then went in opposite directions because they still had um, you know, unfinished business before the mission to Endor. I mean, this is greater than that. You know, Kaz knows Poe's going on an important mission, but we know that he may be losing his support, his mentor. Um, you know, he's... Kaz is doing his own hero's journey on this show. I'm no Joseph Campbell expert, but um, you know, on a side note, yeah, speaking of books, please read, sometime in your life, A Hero with a Thousand Faces. Uh, it's the hero myth throughout time and the variations thereof that George Lucas based um, you know, the Star Wars mythology on. Um, it's, it's recommended reading for any Star Wars fan. Um, but yeah, Kaz is doing his own hero's journey. It's not like where Luke, you know, lost his mentor in front of him when Obi-Wan became one with the Force, or when, you know, Rey lost hers, um, when Luke did. Um, you know, it's not sort of that thing. Um, you know, Kaz, he knows he's, he's lost him for a while, but he doesn't know how serious this is. But... Yeah, the show, the, sh the show and the movie are running parallel to each other now. And I, w I will get to that in a minute with my summary. Um, but we, he, he makes it back to the Colossus. Um, CB-23 knew how to get him in. And that, that's, you know, uh, they didn't have to explain it. Poe got on. He knows how to get Kaz back on. It worked. So, you know, simple enough r r work from the writers. I mean, that, that's all you had to do. You know, the key thing about the last scene is Tam is continually growing frustrated. She's not getting information. She's wondering what Kaz is up to. Yeager is telling her it's none of her business. She doesn't need to worry about it. She's getting suspicious. It's going to boil over. Um, I don't want to say... Look, look. Okay, you know. If you've listened to the show, you know I think she's the spy. 
I think that ha- I think that reveal one way or another happens next week. If you've seen the preview for next week, uh, or you know the the plot summary of it, it's all going down. I think. Well, I will say this: from the mid-season trailer, that shot of Tam being arrested, and who you got the um, that one black imperial officer, and then or uh, first order officer, and then the stormtroopers arresting her. I think that scene happens in this upcoming episode, and I think that's when we find out that she's been the spy the whole time. They take her aboard a shuttle or whatever, and either she breathes a sigh of relief and says, thank you for getting me out of there, I've got so much to tell you, or maybe the officer says, welcome back. Yeah, I I think this is the week we find out one way or another. Um, So... I'll have plenty to talk about regarding that next week. Um, But yeah, uh, yeah, it ends with Tam's frustration, and I think that comes to a head next week before we get into the the final episodes. Alright, so that is my summary of this, of the core problem. Uh, Like I say, Kevin and Doc, another great job. Uh, It's very exciting. But I'll end this episode with just the talk about I mean, how intense the last four episodes are going to be because, as as I talked about, we're at the point of divergence. Poe is going to Jakku. And by the way, thank you to, I don't know who planned it, but Disney or ABC or Star Wars for showing The Force Awakens on ABC this past Sunday night. Even though it did have commercials, I watched it because I'd already seen the core problem that morning and that the watching the force awakens was a totally different experience now that I've seen this much of the season of resistance because you know, the way Poe and BB-8 act you know what they've been through with Kaz and all them uh, it, yeah it's a different experience now and so I'm going to be my next four reviews are going to have a lot of that um, comparison or not. Uh, you know, I'll be discussing the movies, both movies. And that's another thing. Um, both movies at the same time as discussing the episodes because we know there's parallel events. We, we know for a fact, based on the mid-season trailer, that Hux's speech right before the destruction of Hosnian Prime is shown to the troopers on the Colossus. I don't know if that's next week or the week after, but it's coming in the next four weeks. Um, We know that Leia contacts Kaz via hologram. She's wearing what she wore in The Force Awakens, so... You know, that's going to happen soon. Yeah, I wrote down, where does the season end? Meaning, are we going to make it all the way through... Uh, the Last Jedi, you know, are they going to... What, what's going to be at the very end of the season? I think, as far as the Colossus, you know, it's going to be about getting control back from the First Order and driving them away. That's the plot for the show. But, you know, okay, where are we galactically? It would make sense that they get Leia's distress call from Crate before the end of the season... And then season two can be just filler between Last Jedi and Episode Nine. 
So I think we'll make it. And, and again, we've never gotten an official answer on this of Astic, of Story Group folks, but uh, they, they said they don't really have, a, have it nailed down. The elapsed time between the beginning of The Force Awakens and the end of The Last Jedi. And if you calculate day and night, it's at least five days. I can't imagine it's more than ten. It's definitely not two weeks. So, and then, you know, between episodes of Resistance, you know, it's a few days, maybe a month or so. Um, as, you know, as we've seen uh, with the last three or four episodes, you know, exponentially, the First Order presence gets bigger and bigger. More TIE fighters, more troopers. And that doesn't happen overnight, so, you know, it's been a few days for them. So do the next four episodes take place over ten days? Or is it longer? Um, yeah, well, we'll see. Um, but, but yeah, starting next week, when we know we're paralleling the movies, I will uh, talk more about that. Um, but that should wrap it up uh, for this one. Again, great episode. That, uh, you know, great scene at the end where we're on our way. Uh, you know, Kaz and everybody have to do their own thing because, you know, Poe's going to get, you know, beat up by Kylo Ren pretty soon. Well, he gets beat up by the troopers and then Kylo Ren digs in his mind. So he's going to have a bad day. We know that. <laughs> then BB-8's got to, you know, do his journey through the desert. Uh, but that's it. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I will, be, of course, be back next week with, well, either a victory lap or an apology. Let, let me put it that way. Um, but anyway, uh, you can... Of course, find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Radio Dakar, R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R. Uh, feel free to contact me with your own speculation or questions or anything else. Um, all the episodes, uh, previous reviews, uh, special episodes, they're on the Radio Dakar channel on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you very much. I'll see you next week. May the Force be with you.